Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. A pleasure to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. The Miami Dolphins, two a tongue of Iowa, four touchdowns, but they lose once again. This time to the Atlanta Falcons. How hot are the hot seats there? Meantime, the Lions actually gave the Rams some trouble before Jared Goff and the Lions fall to 0 and 7. Uh, other lots of major storylines to get to, including the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you kidding me? Are they the best team in the AFC? Come on, that can't be possible. But we begin, Mike, with Mark Twain. The rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. That's what the Kansas City Chiefs right now are trying to tell themselves. But let's be honest. This is a team in serious trouble. Forget about going to the Super Bowl. Forget about winning a division. you got to worry about making the playoffs and just being a 500 team. They are 3-4 and four right now. And the Titans, who are coming off an impressive Monday night football win over the Bills, just hammered the Chiefs 27-3. to three. You and I have talked quite a bit about their defense. We know their defense is lacking and needs improvement. But let's go to the offense. Mahomes has picked off four times, got sacked four times, knocked out of the game with a head injury. The Chiefs are now three and four, and Andy Reid said, quote, I'm seeing things I haven't seen before. What the hell's happened to KC? Uh, I mean, he's seeing things. We're all seeing things. I mean, the one thing we know about the Chiefs is they haven't been a great team in terms of the cover. You know, they've been able to dangle and fool around with teams for a while, right? They've been able to always have control of the game but rarely blow a team out to the point where they were they were friends for the book. They were the book's best friend last year because they were able to uh, not cover the line and people kept betting them to cover the line. But you know, the old adage is when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And I think we got to believe who the Chiefs are. You know, we got to believe who they are right now and, and they are not a good football team. The thing that's concerning, and I think what Andy probably would agree with this, is that that the style of play that teams have decided to use against the Chiefs, the style of defensive play, two high safeties, take away Tyreek Hill. The guy averages 12-8 a catch. That's not Tyreek Hill. He's got to average over 15. Take away Tyreek Hill. Force the ball underneath. See if they can string eight, nine, 10 plays. Don't give them a big play. And something will happen. Something will break down. And guess what? It did. And yesterday, that has to be concerning, is the fact that they score three points, but... They don't, they're playing against a team that just lost two of their starting corners. They were, they played on Monday night. They're not a great defensive team. And this was by far their finest defensive outing of the season. And that's got to be really humiliating to Andy and disappointing to him because I don't know how you turn this on. You know, I don't know how you turn it around. I really don't. I mean, it, the problem when you watch the tape, their offensive line was horrible. They didn't play. Orlando Brown got killed. I mean, there's no way they could play. They could pay him as their left tackle next year. There's just no way, especially when it's all pass. So to me, Andy's right. I mean, this is something we didn't expect. I didn't think they could lose five games. I couldn't find five losses. But their inability to control the game with their defense and their inability to control the game with their offense is where they are. And conversely, listen, the Titans are saying to themselves, hey, they didn't just beat the Chiefs. Like, they embarrassed them. Like, they were up 27-0 at the half. 
uh, 14 and nothing at one point. Ryan Tannehill's numbers, listen again, this is the key here. Derrick Henry runs the ball, 86 yards, fine. Tannehill, 21 at 27 for 270. And then he got Brown catching eight passes for 133 and a touchdown. So we got that. But the dominance on defense, I was not expecting. The four sacks, three takeaways. And now they got to hope that Mahomes is okay. Because, I mean, he got, he was wobbly, Mike, when he got to his feet. And you go, oh my God, if Mahomes gets hurt, forget about it. And specific to him, interception and loss to fumble. His fumble was the Chiefs' 16th giveaway this year, matching their total for all of last season. That's the biggest takeaway for me. Sloppiness, turnovers. There's no excuse for that. You can't overcome that. 16 turnovers, that's abysmal. It's unbelievable, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like The, the ball comes out and, and interceptions. He's got nine interceptions on the season. You know, he had six all of last year. You know, and it shows up too. I mean, they had nine penalties for 77 yards in the game. So, like, every area of their football team has fallen apart. I mean, when you break it down, I mean, they, they, he was their leading ball carrier with six rushing attempts. He had six rushing attempts. You know, they had 13 rushes and they had 31 completions. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, this is, you know, for all the creativity that Andy has offensively, he's, you know, this is kind of one of those where we're going to have to change a little bit of what we're doing. Teams are playing us a certain way. Now we we can't beat them playing left-handed. We have to change what we're going to do. Maybe we go to, you know, maybe we go to more two tight ends. Maybe we try to change it up. And, you know, Mahomes has come back to the pack. I mean, he's come back to the pack. I mean, yesterday, Derrick Henry didn't have a 100-yard day. They held Derrick Henry to three yards of carry. Held him to three yards of carry, but they couldn't stop A.J. Brown. I mean, he could. They couldn't tackle him. I, I, I look. This is a disappointing, and these are one of those things. And I, I really believe this, Ad. You know, the Super Bowl hangover is certainly effective, but more than anything, I think Andy and and, the, and what happened to his son and the car accident at the Super Bowl that there is a residual effect of all that. And I don't know what's going on in their locker room, but they don't play with the same intensity or with the same fiber that they had in the past. And that's certainly a fair point, Mike. These guys are human beings. Andy Reid's dealt a lot of personal stuff involving his kids, and how could that not impact you on some level? The 24-point margin, the largest loss of the Mahomes era, including the playoffs. Three points, the fewest scored since he took over as a quarterback. The defense is allowing 29 points per game, which would be a franchise high. And just a thought here on the Titans. We mentioned their offense, those three guys specifically. You know how good they are with Henry and Tannehill and Brown. And I think Todd Downing, by the way, offensive coordinator, called a good game, lots of play action, screens and passes. But how about this Titans defense? You and I said a year ago, hey, without this defense getting better, I can't buy them. They ranked last in the league in sacks per attempt in 2020, but they've made additions like Bud Dupree. He had a strip sack on the Chiefs opening series. Maybe this defense can really improve and start to be a strength rather than a weakness. Well, I mean, on paper, you know, you beat the Chiefs, you hold them to three points. You got to think, oh man, we play great defense, but you know, we saw Buffalo go up and down the field on them last year, last week. And if it wasn't for Josh Allen slipping on the quarterback sneak, they'd probably win the game. You know, but this uh, this performance against, I, I think that, you know, a couple things when you watch, as Phil Leotardo would say, a couple, three things here. As, as you would watch <laughs> the, the Chiefs this summer, you know, you felt like their offensive line was going to come around. And man, it has it. Like Orlando Brown has been disappointing. The right tackle hasn't been very good. The right guard's a rookie. You know, the center's a rookie. Tooney's played well, but I don't think that line has played with any power, any physicality. And let's be honest, Tennessee punched them right in the mouth and they couldn't punch back. 
They couldn't punch back. I mean, football's a game of toughness, right? Football's a game of pad level and toughness. You know, and, and with the, the further you keep finessing your team and you have no toughness, I think what Brendan Staley said last week about why the run game is so important to him and why it's so important. And I think that one of the things that Andy Reid's teams have always been is they've been finessed, but he's always had an ability to balance the toughness element. This, this chief team right now, this year, this version of the chief team is sloppy and doesn't have toughness. Real concern right now for the Kansas City Chiefs as they're three and four and searching for answers. Tennessee, meantime, dominated from start to finish. They now improve to five and two. The other major story, if the world wasn't wacky enough as it is, Mahomes throwing interceptions, six straight games, and the Chiefs really floundering. How about the fact the Bengals, I can't even say this with a straight face, might be the best team in the AFC North. They're in sole possession right now after a resounding 41 to 17 win in Baltimore. Joe Burrow is incredible. Four and 16 yards passing, three scores. This was on a Ravens defense that completely shut down Justin Herbert and the Chargers last week. How good is Jamar Chase? Mike, this guy's got eight catches, 201 yards. He's got over 750 yards receiving. There's only been seven games. You can already pencil in this guy. All right, 100 yards receiving. He's good. Joe Mixon, 21-yard touchdown. He helps their offense. Um, Chase is just the second player in NFL history, 50 or more receiving yards each of his first seven games. How shocking is this? The Bengals are this good, and they did this to Baltimore. So this is a 13-10 game at halftime. And look, I, I would have taken Sewell as a left tackle because I still think the Bengals' offensive line isn't great. But they proved this proved to be the right pick uh, so far, right? This proved to be the right pick because Chase is sensational. I mean, everybody knew Chase was a great player. It was nothing against Chase. It was against the team building. Is it a tackle or a receiver? This kid looks like a generational receiver based on how he's playing. And, you know, Burrow can connect. I'm disappointed in Baltimore. I mean, they knew going in the game, Chase was going to be the guy. You got to double him. They put Humphrey on him. I never liked that. I never liked putting your best corner on the guy. I would have doubled the guy from start to finish and made and Humphrey cover Higgins or someone else. And I thought they were going to get a bunch of free runners at the quarterback. It really hit Burrow a lot. And they didn't. You know, the Bengals were only 4-13 on third down, but they gained 520 yards. The Ravens couldn't tackle. The Ravens looked like a team that was on their bye week. The, the, the second half came around and the Ravens looked like a team on their bye week. And look, let's face it, the last three weeks, the Ravens should have lost to the Colts. They gave that, they got a fortunate in that game. They blow out the Chargers and then they've had this stink bomb. I mean, between the Colts and the Bengals game, those two games, when you really study that and you look at them from an from a offensive and a defensive standpoint, how they were. And what they did, I think it's kind of was really remarkable that they've been, you know, they, they, they should be one and two, and yet they're two and one. And, and they did it, you know, and I think when you break this down, I mean, if you're the if you're the, the the Ravens and you're going on your bye week, you're like, wait a minute, what do we have to do defensively? Like something's going on here. I mean, we gave up, you know, we gave up all these points. Like, like let's just go through it all. I mean, they gave up 25, 26. They gave up 41. The week before, the Denver, they only gave up seven, you know, and then, you know, they're good on third down, but they couldn't stop them. I mean, think about this, AD. They didn't get the ball in the red zone. The Bengals didn't need the ball in the red zone. They just, they just moved it down the field. They moved it up and down the field. They didn't, they didn't even, they didn't even, they were, they were in the red zone. They were 0 for 2. They only had two trips inside the red zone and they were 0 for 1 on goal to go. And they scored 41 points. How do you do that? You make big plays. How do you play good defense? Eliminate big plays. That's going to be a long week in Baltimore.
No doubt about it. And I get the fact, fine, it's just one loss, all right? It happens. But just to have a blowout of that size is shocking. And the Bengals now have road wins in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So when you're looking at the division, when all gets said and done, like those, those are massive plays for them to get these kind of wins. And Burrow, Mixon, and Chase, you can believe in that trio. But if their defense can play football like this, I mean, the fact that they, they made life very difficult for Lamar Jackson. They sacked him five times, as you said, took over in that second half. If the Bengals' defense is competitive, this gets really interesting then on the AFC North. You know, I, I've been preaching this, and I'm the only one preaching it, but I think, to me, there are certain games during the season as a coach that you have that are a measuring stick for what's going to happen come playoff time. And if you don't fix these problems today, if you don't honestly say, okay, here's where we are, you know, we can go out and beat Detroit or we can go out and beat, you know, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and, you know, Lamar can, we can run the Roman offense like Lamar does. But there are certain tests, it's a little bit like an obstacle course, right? There's certain obstacles that you have to come over and you've got to, you've got to take away the wins and the loss and you've got to honestly analyze your team. And I've been saying this for years. If Baltimore doesn't get Lamar Jackson under center, if they don't get him to where he can run more of a bootleg naked scheme and they continue to rely on the RPO game, they continue to rely on the over routes, they continue to rely on him running the ball, they are going to get in the, they're not going to win three playoff games. They're not going to win two playoff games. They're going to come against a coordinator who's going to take it away and, and give credit to the Bengals and their defensive coaching staff because they've seen it. They know how to play him, you know, and they, they did a great job of handling it. And they forced him to, you know, they were able to attack a bad offensive line for Baltimore because it's a bad line, let's face it, which is even more the reason why they should have Lamar under center. There's even more. And I think that this is one of those moments in the season where if you're John Harbaugh and on the bye week, your, your goal isn't to play better next week. Your goal is to prepare the team to play at the highest level in the playoffs. And it starts how to solve this problem today. You know, that's really what it is. This was a commentary on what's wrong with the Ravens come playoff time. And if they don't fix it now, it's going to haunt them again. Let's move on to the Dolphins. As they lose the Falcons 30-28, to 28, um, they only have one win on the season, but it was easily the best game of the day. Deshaun Watson rumors swirling, and finally, Tua Tungavailoa comes up with a big game. He connected on four touchdowns, but it wasn't enough because Kyle Pitts was amazing. 163 yards on seven receptions, and a crucial 26-yard catch late in the fourth, setting up Young Hoku's 36-yard game winner. Let's start first with Tua. These rumors are swirling, Mike. We know the trade deadline's coming up here in early November. Tua, I mean, you and I have talked about this. If you want to look at the positives, he went on the road in New England in week one. Fine. Offensive line has not been good, uh, has not had his best receivers, and he steps up with a big game yesterday. But having said that, you and I both know he's brittle. He's not the answer as the franchise quarterback. Steven Ross, the owner, probably still trying to pull the trigger on Watson. Can one game change the narrative on Tua after what he did yesterday? Well, he played well the week before too, AD. So now it's been two games he's played well, but he's made crucial mistakes in both games. Critical mistakes. I mean, he throws two turnovers in this game. One of them in the red zone that was just really a killer. You know, really a killer. After they had just got, and then he throws another interception after they just got a turnover and kind of take over the game. You know, but he let him on the, you know, after that interception, he brought him back on two drives. They're down, they're down by 13 points. And he goes nine plays, 90 yards, touchdown. Then they create a turnover, 
on a fumble. Then he goes nine plays, 55 yards, overcomes. They they get a third and 15 on a penalty. And for some reason, Atlanta decides to play soft-ass zone, and the guy's Galeski's wide open, and he connects with him, throws a touchdown. He scored too early. You knew it. You kind of knew that was going to happen, and Miami's defense really couldn't hold them. But I, I think I think in answering your question, I think Tua has shown enough that he's got value in the league. There's no denying that. Is he a top 10 player? No. Is he a top 15 player? No. You know, but he shows value in the league that perhaps if they're going to move for Watson, they can use him as a chip to get a high draft pick. I think that's really what would happen. Denver's a team that I keep hearing is sniffing around Tua more than they are Watson. Because remember, Watson controls what's going to happen because because Watson is also has a no trade clause. But when you watch this Miami team, I mean, defensively, they just couldn't get a hold of the game. They couldn't get it controlled. They couldn't stop pits. They play so much man-to-man. You know, when they don't put pressure on Matt Ryan, it became a real problem. And Atlanta, defensively. Now, when we talk about two of the last two weeks, right, he's played against two of the worst teams defensively in the league. You know, he really has. He's played against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons. And I said on my show, you know, I said on my show that – on Sunday morning, I thought Tua would play well. I really did. I thought Tua would play well because Atlanta's not good. Plus, Atlanta lost guys in the secondary. But I think this is the week. Here's the thing. Once we get past Wednesday, let's say this. Once we get once we get to Wednesday morning, there won't be a trade because you got to get ready to play a game, right? Miami's got to go up to Buffalo, right? And, you know, Houston's got to play the Rams. So you got those games. So if something happens, it's going to happen either today or tomorrow, or it's going to happen next Monday or Tuesday. And I think if you're Houston and you've seen the quarterbacks, Carolina, Sam Darnold has returned to the Sam Darnold that we saw at the Jets. If you see Denver, Teddy Bridgewater, not good enough. Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts is not a starting quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, it's becoming obvious every week. I mean, there's teams out there that want them now. He controls it because he could veto the trades. But I think the price isn't going down. I think the price is going up based on the lack of quarterbacks in the draft, plus based on the lack of teams desperately needing quarterbacks. Yeah, I saw on NFL Counting, ESPN was saying that the Eagles are now officially out the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. But to your point, the more you watch a Philadelphia, the more you realize that Hurts is not the guy. And ultimately, Houston's holding all the cards here. Um, they know that whoever gets Watson is going to give up a premium to get him because he is an elite quarterback despite whatever allegations are there off the field. At one in six, how hot are the seats right now, Brian Flores and Chris Greer, or is Stephen Ross inclined to give him a pass? Well, I mean, they won 10 games last year, right? So they won 10 games. He got it going. And, you know, this has been a, a kind of a disappointing season for him. You know, I think the one thing Brian hasn't been able to do is get his offensive coordinator situation handled. Defensively, he also has, he's fired coaches and made a bunch of changes defensively. I mean, Pat Graham was his original defense coordinator. He brought with him from, from Green Bay. You know, and then all of a sudden, Josh Boyer, who was with them in New England, is now the coordinator. They've been horrible on defense. I mean, they have been just god-awful on defense this year. They play way too much, man, and they don't have a pass rush. And all the players that they signed last year and spent all that money, they're no longer on the team. So a, a lot of this is the, the the coaching, and a lot of it is the design of the team. I mean, the offensive line is terrible, and all these draft picks that people say, oh, look, tank for two, we got all these picks, they haven't hit. I mean, they haven't hit. 
I mean, that's a real problem. I mean, they haven't hit, you know, and, and people keep waiting for them. I mean, they're a team that should have picked the left tackle in the draft as much as anybody, you know, and they, they're a team that should have been able to go after some defensive linemen. They haven't done it. And I think that's really the issue. There's a talent level problem in Miami. They've got skill players, which is interesting, but they can't seem to control the line of scrimmage because they don't play with any power. Sometimes you need the grunts as well. Uh, Coming up, the Rams gave Detroit two first-round picks to take Jared Goff off their hands. The Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Rams after a decade in the Motor City. Which quarterback got the last laugh at SoFi? We'll tell you all about it next. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Lions and Rams, uh, closer game than you might expect. Watching this game, Mike, I'm like, wow, the Lions early touchdown and Dan Campbell's going for it. Hey, onside kick, how about a fake on the punt? I'm like, man, wait, wait, you're winless. Why not? Do something. Uh, but ultimately, the Rams do pull off the victory. Stafford passed for 334 and three touchdowns against his former team. Ramsey end zone pick with five minutes left. 
Goff passed for 268. The Lions, though, they fall to 0 and 7. Uh, were you at least surprised the fact the Lions hung in this game and gave them a game? I actually thought this would be one of the games that the line, it was, it's opened up at 15. It went up to 16 and a half. I thought this was a line that, that the Rams would have crossed over because I just didn't see how the Lions were going to continue to score with them. And I thought that they could take advantage of a really bad Lions defense. But look, the Lions put 415 yards on them. And they ran the ball effectively. Give Campbell credit. I mean, his team played hard. They blocked him up front. I mean, they blocked him up front. They were able to control the ball. They had the ball 32 minutes in the game. You know, they were really good. And, you know, they, the, the problem with the game, though, AD, and this is why they lost the game, it, it, it wasn't the golf interception. It's the 0 for 5 in the red zone. Once again, they get down there, they can't score. I mean, this is the same thing that happened when they played Minnesota. They got the ball down the red zone. They go, oh, no, it was Chicago. They get the ball down the red zone against Chicago. They lose by 10 to Chicago. They just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Yesterday, they're 0 for 5 in the red zone, and they lose. I mean, this is really, really the biggest problem that I think they're facing. So, I mean, they played hard, which is what they do in Detroit, and, and the golf just made the bad mistake. But, uh, you know, the Rams defensively, this has got to concern you as a Ram fan. You know, are you going to be able to slow down Kyler Murray? Can you slow them down? Because I'll tell you one thing, Arizona's defense is for real. Their defense is for real, and they play hard, and they play fast. And Vance Joseph has done a great job with their defense. And so if the Rams can't get better defense or can't get more production out of the game, I mean, you know, when you sit there and look at it, look, I know everybody takes, everybody goes into the game and says, look, there's just no way we can let Aaron Donald beat us in the game. There's just no way Donald can make a play. I mean, I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. Aaron Donald doesn't show up on the stat sheet against the Rams, against the Lions. He doesn't even have a tackle. He doesn't have a tackle and doesn't have a pressure in the game. And we know he's a great player. That's what's wrong. I mean, that that's a problem. They have to hope that their defense can step up. As far as their offense, no concerns there. Cooper Cup, 10 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns for the Rams. I mentioned Detroit had a good start. That opening drive was their first touchdown in the first half since week two. And for Stafford and Goff, of course, high emotions. Both these guys trying to get the better of each other, former teams. But ultimately, it is the Rams who are successful. You mentioned that they're lingering behind the Cardinals. They've got to improve their defense. For the Lions, though, I mean, are they the worst team in the NFL? No, the Texans are. I mean, the Texans, I watched them yesterday. They, they, they were getting 18 and a half. So when I went to the Borgata on Sunday morning, the line was, the, it, Saturday it was 17 and a half. And then the line started to trickle up. I think it closed at 20 and a half. A 20 and a half is a lot of points in an NFL game. I mean, and, and I'm telling you, it wasn't enough. And, 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 the, and they got off to a 5-0 start. And look, whatever you want to say about the Texans, they play hard. They play hard. They're just not very good offensively. Davis Mills isn't ready for prime time. It's a tough situation, but Houston is by far the worst team in the league. I don't think that's debatable. All right, meantime, the Eagles and the Raiders. What an awful performance by Philadelphia. I mean, Waller's out. The Raiders' offense is still flowing. This was the number of the day. Carr's completion percentage was 91.1. That is a career best. That's the second best single game percentage in NFL history behind Drew Brees, who had a 96.7%. They outgained Philadelphia 443 to 358. Again, the score is closer than it indicates. Las Vegas scored a five straight possessions. This Philadelphia defense, and we've said this before, Javon Hargrave's awesome. Fletcher Cox is great, but their linebacker is atrocious. The secondary, I mean, I like Slay, but Steven Nelson, no. I mean, the Eagles lost their 
second straight fifth time in six games. When I say to you 91.1, Mike, for an NFL quarterback, that's staggering how well the Raiders took care of that Eagles defense. They kill. I mean, and at some point, when do they adjust? Like, we've been saying this about Jonathan Gannon's defense all year. Like, you know, when do you adjust? When does he make, like, when does he become disruptive? I mean, the biggest problem in any game is you have to be disruptive. You've got to force negative plays. You've got to force them out of their comfort zone. And, and if you don't do that, if you can't do that, that's a problem. And, 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 and he doesn't even attempt to do it. He's sitting there playing soft cover zone, you know, and here's how bad it is. I mean, they, they, they had 358 yards. They were three for eight on third down. The, 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 no, excuse me, they had 442 yards and they only had eight third downs. So that means they were playing Canadian football. The, the, uh, the, the, the Raiders were playing Canadian football the whole day. First downs, two downs. At some point, you got to force them into a situation where you can make a play. And like you mentioned, the linebackers are poor. Look, everybody in Philly is, is complaining. You know, well, what did you expect to happen? You hired a head coach who didn't have any play calling experience. He wasn't even a play caller. You hired a defensive coordinator who didn't even coordinate the defense. So you've got two really inexperienced guys. I wrote this for the Daily Coach a couple of weeks ago about when JFK became the, 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 the president of the United States. He, he basically brought in Harold McMillan as an advisor because there were too many young people in the building. You need some experience. You need somebody who understands what to do. Like who's helping them? I mean, Seriani's offense looks like crap. They're running Oklahoma's offense. You know, Jalen Hurts has numbers after the game. You say, well, he wasn't bad. He's 18 for 34. No, he's terrible. They ran it 32 times. So it'll make all of Philadelphia happy. They ran it 32 times. You know, but they, they couldn't control it. Once they lost Miles Sanders, they lost the game. And all the, you know, they got, you know, we have to get a receiver. We have to get, you know, all these skill players they have to have. They can't, they can't manage the game. I don't see how it gets better in Philly. It's going to be interesting with this week is because Philly's going back and Philly's playing and Philly is going to play Detroit this week. And typically, typically on Monday, as I sit here in my office and I look at the giant screen with all the games on it, the lines are out, right? And so this line opened up. The Eagles were favored by three. Now, anybody who bets on Monday who turns their bets in on Monday, I would consider those are people that do it for a living. You know, they're, they're betting for a living. They're not, I'm not saying they're betting a lot of money. I'm just saying they look at a number, they like the number, they play the number because they know the number is going to be fluctuated by the market. So Monday's numbers and Sunday's numbers are really the only two numbers to look at. Everything else during the week is all perception by Twitter, by the news that comes out, by the injuries and all that. Well, this line opened up at three and and 90% of the money is coming in on Detroit. 90% of the money all of the 529 tickets that have been written up by in this game as we talk here at 11 o'clock on, on, on Monday morning. There's already been 529 tickets written up and 90% of, those, of the money, forget the ticket split, it's the money that matters, is on Detroit. This is how this is how people the sharps view Philly, and I was on Philly. I recommended Philly. I thought ten days rest. I thought their pressure would happen inside. I thought they would disrupt Carr. None of that tr- tr- proved to be true. 
After their touchdown, the Eagles' next six possessions, punt, punt, fumble, end of the first half, punt, and a fumble. Las Vegas had takeaways back-to-back games for the first time since doing it in three straight in 2019. You and I agree, Hurst isn't the answer. Sirianni is in over his head. We mentioned the defensive issues. But the big problem, again, remains Howie Roseman, who, as you said, isn't going anywhere. But they're going to have potentially three first-rounders, first-round picks, excuse me, in the first 12 picks. you got to hit on those picks. And I think that's where a lot of Eagles fans get frustrated. They go, okay, if it's a bad year, fine, I get it. But there's no big, can't-miss quarterback coming out of college. You're going to have all these first-round picks. And if you don't hit on those, the same problems persist. No doubt. And and look, you know, are, are you sure you got the good coach? Here's the thing I don't understand is Eagle fans are mad at Sirianni. What did they expect? He's got no experience. Like he looks like his deer in the headlights. You know, I mean, with all the goofy t-shirts he wears and the 76ers outfits and all that crap. Like at the end of the day, this is a chess match. I guess it's a hard game. It's a game of adjustments. And Nick and Jonathan Gannon has no adjustments to his defense. He has no adjustments. And Sirianni, from one week to the next, has no adjustments. So it's it's really concerning. It is indeed concerning for both sides of the ball. And as far as the Raiders are concerned, listen, without John Gruden, I'm not saying he's the problem, but certainly Raiders interim coach Rick Passaccia has done a great job. He said afterwards about Carr, we can all see the relationship that him and offensive coordinator Greg Olsen have running the offense. He's a tremendous voice, tremendous leader both on and off the field. We've seen these glimpses of greatness here from Carr. We know that he can be a good quarterback. They can win the AFC West now because the Chiefs are in real trouble. Yeah, and, and you know, they 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 could play the char- They lost to the Chargers, but, you know, I mean, they can. I mean, they they certainly are in it. They're in it more than the Chiefs are. You know, because at least I don't think the Raiders are great on defense, but at least their their offense and Carr the last two weeks has played like it like he's back to being. You know, he had that two week period where he against the Bears and against the Chargers, he didn't look like an MVP candidate, but he certainly looks like one now. He's playing really well. All right, that's the story there when it comes to the Raiders. As always, you can send us your mailbag questions to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is from Paul in Minnesota. As a long-suffering and ever-optimistic Vikings fan, my question for Lombardi is this. Mike Zimmer's defense is consistently ranked among the best in the league at opponent third-down conversion percentage, including this year's number one ranking of 29%. He even managed a top 10 ranking in 2020 despite injuries and a lack of talent. You mentioned previously that Zimmer is great at attacking protection schemes, but can you speak to how Zimmer is consistently able to be so good on third down? Well, he's good on third down because he thinks like an offensive coach, right? So he understands protections and almost there really should be a guy on every coaching staff who should be a protection expert. Like if you wanted to build a really good coaching staff, you should have a you should hire an ex offensive line coach, and basically have him come in and understand the protections and the rules in the protection. This is where Zimmer gains a significant advantage. Once he knows your rules on how you block things and the calls you make, then he designed blitzes to attack those rules. So he neutralizes you basically, and you have no chance. And that's why he's so effective. He has, he brings pressure. He doesn't always bring pressure. He backs off with pressure. You know, it's just his ability to set up his game plan based on the protections of the week. You know, and this year he's, you know, he brings back Paul Gunther, who was with him in Cincinnati. Both of those two guys have worked really well together. And it's really something that, you know, you can tell from the games, you know, when you're watching what coordinator is attacking? If you blitz just a blitz, it doesn't do you any good. Like, you know, we're going to bring this blitz. But if you blitz when you're attacking the rules and the protection, 
you know, if this guy's in the, if we, if this guy walks up into the A gap and he's going to, and he's pointing to the will and you bring, and the back has the will, but then the tackle's got to block the guy off the edge. You know, how do you attack those rules? How do you attack them? And if you can do it consistently to force the quarterback to move, you, you do. That's the thing that makes the, the Eagles defense so hilarious is that Jonathan Gannon this summer was talking how he is a disciple of Mike Nolan. There's nothing, uh, Mike Zimmer, there's nothing about that, that defense that resembles Mike Zimmer. Nothing, especially when it gets to third down. Like there's nothing that disrupts the quarterback. And the only way you're going to disrupt passing games in the National Football League is by disrupting the quarterback. That's the only chance. You can't cover long enough. You can't make plays. They buy second looks. But if you can attack the pressure, I mean, Houston did a great job on Murray yesterday. They did a really good job on Murray. I mean, some of those ideas that Houston had in their game plan are going to show up when they come down the road. Murray really struggled to move the ball. They eventually did, but because more because Houston is so bad on offense. But that's the key to football. The key to football is the good coaches attack the protections. All right, good insight there as far as Mike Zimmer is concerned. Let's get to the awards. On the lamb, it's got to be the New York Jets. Just a horrific performance as they lose their 12th straight game to the New England Patriots. The Pats complete their sixth straight season sweep of New York since 2016. Outcoached, outmaneuvered, outplayed them. The Patriots had 14 points before the Jets had a first down, and their defense gave up a stunning 559 yards of total offense. If that isn't enough, uh, Zach Wilson left with an injury. Uh... This is just an absolute mess in New York. Nothing's getting better here, Mike. You know, the opening drive of the game, it was five plays right down the field. You know, it went right down the field. Five plays, boom. Like, they didn't do it. Now, they didn't have they didn't have uh, C.J. Mosley in there, which would help them set. But they knew C.J. Mosley uh, wasn't going to play. You know, they knew he wasn't going to play. But I, I think when you watch this offensively, this this team has been a bad team all year offensively. And it starts with the coordinator, Mike, Mike LaFleur. I mean, they, they can't score in the first half. I think they scored seven points yesterday. They turned the ball over. Now Zach Wilson's going to miss two to four weeks with a, with, a, with a strained PCL. I mean, you knew the guy was going to get hurt. He's getting the crap beat out of him constantly. You knew he was going to get hurt. So Schefter's reporting today he's going to be out two to four weeks, which means they're going to have to sign another quarterback, which means Mike White's going to come in. Now, you know, this is going to be an interesting game because the Bengals come to town riding high. Bengals come to New York. This will be the third straight road game coming into New York with a backup quarterback. To me, you know, Mike Mike White's going to play quarterback. We'll see if it happens, but I think there's no doubt the Jets have to go on the lamb. I think they're, that that off that whole thing when you come back off a of bye week. But look, let's be honest. San Francisco's no better. Ad, I mean, everybody wants everybody wants Kyle Shanahan to, to play Lance, and they all blame Jimmy Garoppolo for the problem. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo going into that game. He was 26 and 11 as the starting quarterback. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, seven and 22 without Garoppolo. How is Garoppolo the problem? How is Garoppolo the problem? Like, seriously, this is a team, this is a team that's not very good. And, you know, they can't move the ball. They turn it over. And when they, and that offensive line, when it has to drop back pass, it gets sacked, strip fumbles. I think that, I think the other thing that should go on the lamb, I think the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles have to do some kind of evaluation where they are defensively. Cause it's not, every time they play a good quarterback, they're going to get killed. And if they can't win with their front, which they couldn't win with their front against Tampa, they couldn't win with their front against San Francisco. I mean, they can't win with their front against these teams. They did against Carolina because Carolina's offensive line is so bad. 
you know, and I, I think, and that would prove out to be the case. I mean, the Giants kicked the shit out of Carolina, which has got to make Matt Rule feel really shitty because they beat him up up front. I mean, Carolina had no physicality with their offense, and they need to get better there. Yeah, just to one point there on the uh, the Colts and that Niners game, the fact that Wentz winning in ugly weather, I mean, California knew going in, like, oh my God, they're getting crazy rain, and then all of a sudden, Wentz does find a way to win ugly and that Colts defense completely corralled the 49ers. I mean, their defense really stepped up. Interception by Xavier Rhodes in a very soggy game. Wentz now four straight games, exactly two passing touchdowns and zero interceptions. So that is good news there for Wentz. Back to what you said about the Panthers. It's like Sam Darnold figured he was playing at MetLife again. He had to be as lousy as he was when he played for the Jets. I get the fact they're missing Christian McCaffrey. Of course, he's an incredible player. But the Panthers, you go from a 3-0 start to now you're 3-4, and and Darnold got benched. I mean, 16 to 25, 111 yards and an interception, regressing in the middle of the season. It's awful to see. Yeah, I mean, without McCaffrey, they really have no juice on offense. I think a lot of it, too, when you watch them play, they they go sideways offensively. I think they need to get more physicality to their offense. You know, they with any point of entry runs, which is a lead back coming through and kind of taking, getting some double teams and getting some physicality to what they're doing. And I think that would certainly help them. But the problems are as much personnel as anything. I mean, the offensive line is not good enough. Their left tackle isn't good enough. The right guard struggles. They got a new kid play right guard. I think those are all the problems. And when bad lines go on the road, even though they're playing bad teams, bad lines don't travel. I think we saw that in New York yesterday. And, and Darnold's paying another team without a good line. When the line protected him earlier in the year, he made some great throws. But he makes too many mistakes. You know, and I think that kills them. So I, I think there's no doubt that was a disappointing game. That's like, you know, we didn't talk about Green Bay, Philly, Green Bay, Washington. I mean, Washington's one of those teams that everybody said, well, you know, they outgained them, you know, and they, they had them in the ball in the red zone. There's a reason Washington doesn't cross the T's and dot the I. They have no attention to detail. And even though the Packers don't even play their best game, they still win by 14 and cover. Yep, the the defense did their part, certainly. Taylor Heineke was not his finest game, too many mistakes. And as far as the Washington Pastors, they actually finally stepped up and did a few things, which is, uh, considering all the acclaim they normally get, rare to see. Four receptions, by the way, in the first half. Devontae Adams passing Sterling Sharp, second most in Packers history behind Donald Driver. One last thought in the Panthers, only because we were talking about Zimmer on third down. Carolina went two for 15 on third down. Couldn't run the ball. Way too many short throws. You're not going to be successful that way. All right, Fred Palermo, game plan of the week. Who you got? Well, I, I think the best game plan, obviously, was the Bengals. You got to give, I mean, I'm hard on Zach Taylor. I've been really, and I, and I have no confidence in him. Yesterday, I think I now have to reexamine my evaluation of him and have some confidence in him because, you know, he scored 28 points in the second half. I thought they did a great job on, on Baltimore handling their blitzes because I thought Martindale's blitzes would really give them a lot of trouble. So I think, you know, you know certainly that was one of the best game plans of the week. I think Todd Bowles deserves a ton of credit. I mean, because Todd Bowles went after Matt Nagy's protection schemes. Look, everybody wants to blame Justin Fields. You know, he's not ready. Justin Fields isn't ready. But the the problem is deeper than Justin Fields there. The problem is their protection schemes, their inability to set up a game plan to help a young quarterback out. That's the real issue. You know, it's funny. We talk about Mac Jones like he's a 10-year vet, right? We never talk about Mac Jones like he's a rookie. The Patriots, here's the difference. Josh McDaniels sets up the game plan to give the Patriots a chance to win. It wasn't good enough. You know, it wasn't good enough. He got a ball tipped on fourth and two, but they were in the game. They were competitive. They were in the game. You know, are the Patriots better than the, the Bears on defense? No chance. 
No chance. They're not better than them on defense. Are, are, are the Patriots better in the offensive line? Probably. But the Patriots at that time, their offensive line wasn't very good. They ran eight carries for a minus eight yards in that game. But they set up the game to give themselves a chance to win. And Nagy in this game had never set it up to give himself a chance to win. I mean, he goes for it on fourth down in his own territory, doesn't go for it on fourth down. I mean, it's just one of the, it's really one of the worst things that, no, I'll take back. Here's the worst thing I saw on Sunday. This just shows you how bad Mike LaFleur is and Robert Salai is the head coach of the Jets. Okay. They're down 31 to seven with 21 seconds left to go at the end of the first half. Okay. They have one timeout, I think. They have the ball on their own 20. 21 seconds, AD. That means that at the most, at the most, at the at the absolute most, there's three plays. The most, they're going to get three plays in. He throws a freaking pass over the middle that Bentley should have picked off. Like, what are we doing? Like, it just shows you they don't know. It just, that's a perfect example of not knowing. That's a perfect example of a coach who's just calling plays. That's a perfect example of a head coach who has no attention to the game. Like, he should have easily just said to his staff, look, look, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. All we have to do is, you know, just kneel down, we'll go in, we'll regroup at halftime. Same thing with Nagy. I mean, this is how bad Nagy is. Nagy, you know, he's playing in Tampa. He wins the coin toss. He takes the fucking ball. He takes the ball. And you know what happens? You know what happens. He goes three and out, and now he's down seven to nothing. Like, and now he's going to give them back the ball in the second half. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Washington, same thing. They can't control the middle eight. The Packers scored 14 points in the middle eight. They won the game. So, like, I'm watching these games, and I'm seeing it, you know, and, and I don't understand it. Like, what is Salai saying to, to, to his coordinator when he goes out there? Throw it here. We got 21 seconds. We can score. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I saw all day. Like, you got a backup quarterback guy's taking no reps at all. And you literally put him out there. And now you're going to go down. You could be down 38 to 7 before the half's over. It, 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 to me, to me that, that, to me, if I were Joe Douglas, like, I would have been furious. Not that we got beat 54 to th- the, the 13. I would have been furious at the stupidity that he did at the first at the end of the first half. That brings us to, if you don't know, now you know. You gave props to Zach Taylor, Fred Palermo Award. What's the last one here? If you don't know, now you know. Uh, I mean, I think you got to count the Bengals as for real. As much as I, I, I reluctantly say that, but I think two things. The Bengals are for real, and I think the, the real test is going to be this week in New York. Backup quarterback, third road game, expected to win, double-digit favorite. How do you handle success? Going to be the hard thing to do. We'll see what Zach Taylor, what he's preaching. You know, he's got he's to make sure he goes in there and handles it. The other thing is now, you know, is the Chiefs, for whatever I thought, I thought there's no way they could lose five games. The Chiefs are bad. The Chiefs are bad right now. And Andy Reid's got to fix it. Does indeed. One last thought there on the Bengals. Their defense, their run defense specifically. Devontae Freeman, Tyson Williams, Le'Veon Bell combined to gain 29 yards on 11 carries. Lamar Jackson was their leading rusher. If the Bengals can have that kind of run defense, that would be good success moving forward. Time now for the Pop Culture Minute. Dune is now available on HBO Max and in theaters, being described by some as Lawrence of Arabia meets Star Wars. I gotta be honest, two and a half hour movie. I was confused by the storyline. I have not read the original book, but the visuals are fantastic. 
fantastic. I love the score by Hans Zimmer. Good cast. Javier Bardem, Oscar Isaac, and uh, Timothee Chalamet. Also on the small screen, Succession is now back on HBO. Mike has said previously how much he loves the character Tom. Uh, it's now two episodes in. How about last week on the season three premiere? At one point, Logan Roy is getting in his helicopter, and Kieran Culkin, his son, Roman, asks if he needs anything, and the father says to his son, do you want to suck my dick? Later on, he says, I'm going to have to eat dick for the next three days. Like, nowhere else on television are you getting dialogue like this. And lastly, Curb Your Enthusiasm made its return last night, 11th season. Great to see Albert Brooks with Larry David. So there's there's lots of good stuff to watch right now beyond football. How about you, Mike? It's it's way too much to watch. I mean, it's so good. Plus, you got football. You know, you're limited, right? You're limited on how much you can watch. But I got to say this about Succession. Every time I watch that show, I look at Millie and say, these people are the most unlikable people on television. Like, this, <laughs> nobody's a nice person in this show. Everybody is like, I, I don't want to have a beer with any of these people. Like, I don't want to get close to any of them. I mean, that's what made... Like, I, I've been listening to this interview with Puzo on Charlie Rose, and, and they were asking Mario Puzo about the writing of The Godfather and then the one of his books, The Last Don. And he said, you know, the one thing when I wrote The Godfather, I made all the characters. You could like all the characters in The Godfather. You could like Clemenza. You could like them all, right? Like, uh, you know, and then in The Last Don, he said, I thought I, I, I layered it back where some of the characters really you can't like. Well, I can honestly say in succession, I, tell me a character you like. Do you, is there anybody you would go have a beer with in succession? No, the only guy, I, I do really like Kendall just because I, I have compassion for him. Like he's been through, you know, the substance abuse and freaking killed a person. But, but at the same time, I mean, he literally goes to his ex-wife's house and literally just takes over the apartment. Like he's such a, a selfish narcissist. He's like, oh, are these people vetted? Like, and, and like he's trying to turn his own siblings against his dad. Like anything, Roman is a weird guy. He's funny as hell, but he's weird. Shiv, I don't trust. She'd stick a shiv in my back. And Tom, as we've talked with the brother-in-law, like he's a disaster because he's so duplicitous. And yet he tries to come across as being this, you know, know, Midwestern charmer. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, but he's so obvious that he's not charming. He's so obvious that he's stupid, that he's, <laughs> you know, just his his greed is so on, he wears it on his sleeve. I mean, it's so obvious, but it's hard to like anybody. Yeah, it's a great show, but definitely has a lot of anti-heroes in the cast. Thanks for checking the GM Shuffle. We're hoping to have a special guest on the next episode later this week. So lots of football and a special guest, hopefully on tap here on the Shuffle. <laughs> 